0: So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for today. Um, as we said, today is a new day of the new month, uh, November 1st. And and really, every day is, um, is a new day with you, a new day to experience your presence, a new day to experience your mercies, um, just your blessings, discover more of who you are. And so, Lord, we, uh, we submit this time to you, uh, we thank you for the word that we're going to go over tonight. We thank you for the Bible, and Lord, we thank you for who you are. Uh, So, Lord, we we just want to agree with you, what you're doing. So let us receive what you have for us tonight. Um, Please change us, Lord. We need to be transformed into your image. Uh, So, Lord, the things that, that are part of our lives that we need to get rid of, we need to let go of, we need to let you shape. Lord, we give you permission to do that. And so, Lord, thank you again for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so tonight we are going to conclude the Book of Romans, okay? So that means after the, the message tonight, you will be experts in the Book of Romans, and you can all go forth and teach yourself, right? And some of you in the room have already done that, so you're really prepared. So, uh, But it has been a blessing to have so many different speakers um, on this uh, topic. And, um, you know, my original plan, just uh, they just never go the way that I thought, because we would actually be done uh, tonight, but, you know, God has different plans, right? He just puts little wrinkles in there, and so um, I'm just so thankful that the team has been flexible, and because uh, originally Henry would have probably done this, and if you guys you know cry out enough, he'll probably come up here and preach anyway, you know. So, but uh, but he really you know he did a wonderful job on Sunday, so I just we just try not to. Go back to back to back, um, even though he's capable uh, to do that. But, um, but again, for me, it's always a privilege to study God's word and to learn. And, and I'll just tell you for like for those of you who are with our with us on our Living Waters class, uh, the topic was curses and blessings, and and just studying that um, was such a huge blessing to me. And I hope the people who attended took some things from that. But it's um, I don't know. It's just to me, it's always fun to look at. Uh, who God is what he's able to do and then you know because when you look at darkness you look at Satan it just seems so scary and powerful but when you compare it to God, it's really not even um, in the same ballpark, right? It's totally in uh, different things. So, uh, anyway, so uh, last week we had uh, Marty gave us the message on 13 and 14, So I appreciate that. Thank you for that. And um, and there was many things that uh, that are covered in those two chapters. But I just wanted to touch on a little theme because we're going to continue on in chapter fifteen on that theme, and that's um, around the unity of the church and that's around um, what, what he would say is a weaker brother, right, or a weaker sister. And so, uh, you know, again, just to give you an idea of what that means, uh, maybe they are physically weaker, right, but I think we're talking spiritually here, right? That, um, and so when I think of things like that, I think of somebody who's maybe uh, newer to Christianity, or maybe they've been a Christian a while, but they really haven't matured, right? They really haven't uh, started to shift towards God's ways of living. And so when it comes to a weaker brother or sister, Um, And again, we can fit in that category, too, so I don't want us to necessarily exclude that. But if you've been around Christianity a while, you should hopefully be progressing. You should hopefully be gaining strength and wisdom and maturity. And as we do that, uh, we get to bless others, right? We get to help others, um, you know, uh, benefit from our journey, if you will. And so uh, there's a lot of concepts around that in terms of, well, as a Christian, I can do certain things, right? But sometimes those certain things that we do uh, can detract others. Right. And so just a very simple thing is, um, you know, I've talked about drinking um, off and on different times, but I've just chosen in my personal life not to do that. Right. And, um, you know, again, I I can only say that's God's blessing that it hasn't impacted me. But I do know a big part of that is my parents chose not to have alcohol in my um, in my household. And so, uh, again, just because your parents do something or don't do something doesn't mean you'll you'll do it or not do it. Um, But it just he set me up in the right path. But all I'm saying there is, with the role that I have, if I go out and I drink in public, does that show a good sign to people, right? That's, you know, if if I were you or if I was somebody who was uh, observing another pastor or another ministry leader who was drinking, that would probably rub me the wrong way, right? I'd probably like the that doesn't seem like that's a good model, right? You shouldn't and, and again from a biblical standpoint, we're not it's not we're not told that you cannot drink, but we're also told not to make your fellow um, brother or sister stumble, right? And so, you know, and again as an example, we have people in our church and we've had people in our church who have struggled with drinking, right? And so just by having alcohol around could be a huge temptation and so much of a temptation that they could actually fall back into that trap, right? And and become addicted again. So anyway, so that's just the thought behind that is the freedoms that we have in Christ, uh, we wanna take that with responsibility, right? We wanna be smart about what we do and how it impacts those around us. So, and one thing I was just really, really fascinated on, we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna touch on it here in a second. But when it comes to divisions in the church, when it comes to ways to make people stumble, it can be as simple as what we eat. It can be as simple as what we drink, right? And, you know, you would think it'd be more important things, but it could be that simple, right? And, and we just talked about drinking, but especially in that time era, um, and maybe it still happens today, but there would be food that would be dedicated to false idols, right, that they would, they would sacrifice to, you know, and basically a false idol, idol is something that you worship, turns out to be a demon, right? It's actually not a god. It's a, um, it's a false god. And so, but, you know, the food that people would eat would cause people to stumble. Like, they you know, they would actually have trouble with their Christian walk in that, in that way. And there's some warning against judgment, but I want to read just one verse from chapter uh, 14. It's uh, verse 17, and it says specifically that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, right? Just like we were talking about, they were making it so important about what you eat and what you drink. That's what makes you a Christian, right? That's what God wants us. But it says, no, it's not, it's not about that. But it's of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So um, that would be another one of those memory verses, right? The, the kingdom of God is all about the spiritual, right? It's not about the physical things. It's not about trying to follow the law um, to be right. So, okay, so before we get into chapter 15, um, yeah, I think Paul's painting a very clear picture that in the church there's going to be conflict, there's going to be divisions, right? There's going to be people who um, have a certain way that things should be done, and if somebody else does it a different way, um, you know, they're gonna make it known, right? They're gonna uh, cause some problems, and and sometimes it's on purpose, sometimes it's on accident. So, you, you know, as as church members, as people who are building the church, we wanna be aware of this, and that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, hey, this stuff happens, let's just be ready for it. There's, there's gonna be conflict, how do we deal with it? And, you know, um, when I think about our church, um, there's probably so many great things I could say right about our church. I mean, just just this. I was just telling Santosh. I go, "Do you ever get to sit down and just w- worship? You know, <laughs> let somebody lead you in worship." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, that happens." And I was like, "Okay, good," because you lead worship here all the time. So I don't know when you actually get that. Uh, maybe it's when Autumn is leading or someone else is leading. But um, but it's just it's so wonderful to just sit and receive, right? Um, to allow God to move p- through people who love God, who've prepared and, you know, have intended to help us, um, you know, connect with God and to worship. And, and, you know, again, I think about just all the ton of ministries we have, men's ministry, women's ministry, all the kids' ministries, um, you know, there's, uh, we have the elders, we have all kinds of great stuff that happens here. And, um, you know, so, and we have classes, right, we have outreach, we have, uh, you know, we have mission trips, all those kind of things. But even as good as all of that is, um, there's one problem with the church, okay? So I'm just going to confess, and that problem is me, okay? So if you guys know, I just have to confess this, I am not perfect, okay? So as long as I am here in your church, we are not going to have a perfect church, okay? Are you guys okay with that? I just want you to know that with all the perfection that I'm looking at, you know, and even online, I see you guys out there. As long as I'm here, we're not gonna have a perfect church. Okay. So I just want you to get a get a, a grip on that. So you're gonna have to be patient with me, right? So the mistakes I make and all that kind of stuff, you gotta pray, you gotta help me out. Okay. So the unfortunate thing is, you know, even though we desire a perfect church, um, there is gonna be people like me, it would be the weaker brother, the weaker sister, right? So as we go into uh, 15, uh, this first part of the chapter, there's some really good verses here. So I want to walk us through these. So we'll start in verse one, and um, and it says, "We who are strong," this would be, again, in my opinion, those of us who've been Christians a while, we've had a chance to allow God to shape us and mature us. We we have an obligation, and this obligation is to bear with the failings of the weak. So the, the ones that are newer in Christ, or maybe there's some things they just don't get, right? There's things that they, they struggle with. And when we bear with the failings of the weak, what we're also doing is we're not just to please ourselves, right? We're not just living out our Christian liberties, uh, but we're actually paying attention to the other people. So in verse 2, let, us, um, let each of us please his neighbor for his good or her good to build him or her up. And so, you know, when we look at this, uh, you can look around right now. But it doesn't have to be in this place. I mean, I just see a bunch of mature Christians, right? So I don't know. Um, I don't see any weakness. You know, I, You know, so if there is weakness, God sees it. I don't see it. Um, but, you know, when you look around with where you're at, uh, there could be weaker brothers and sisters around you, right? And so you want to ask God, please show me that. Help me. that. You know, and in some cases, you, you might be the weaker brother or sister, right? You know, it just depends on the situation. But... <clears throat> But I think God. what Paul is saying is in our heart, we should be paying attention to where we are, who we're around, and where, where is their spiritual standing, right? Are they kind of a baby Christian? Are they uh, maybe a teenage Christian? Or are they an adult Christian, right? All those kind of things. And so, you know, for those around you, I just want you to think about who can you, who can you picture or who maybe is God putting in your place, in your atmosphere that you're, right, that you're supposed to help, um, who maybe is not as far along in their journey as you are. And so, again, Paul goes to the the best example that there could be. He says in verse 3, For Christ did not please himself. You know, because when we think about whatever Jesus did, did he do it for himself or did he do it for us, right? But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And in verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement, of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so I want to just connect some really simple dots here. So it says, whatever was written in former days, uh, this is referring to the Bible, right? This is referring to God's word. And the purpose of that was for our instruction. And it says, through endurance and through encouragement. And I think, you know, uh, Henry likes King James version, right? And so that one, instead of saying endurance, it says patience, so so that through patience, and then for encouragement, it's, it's comfort. So that through patience and through, um, through the comfort of the scripture, we might have hope, okay? And so what's really so critical about this is, where do we find our hope from? We, we find our hope from God's word. And what does God's word do? It points us to God and his promises and his possibility, right? And so it's not, um, it's not something that we feel, right? We don't We don't feel good, and so we have hope, but we have something solid that we can stand on, which is God's word. And so in verse 5, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And verse 6, That together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So I, wanted, um, I just want to connect some dots here, too. I was explaining this a little bit to Marty when I was studying, that when it comes to our walk with God, we have two really substantial things. right? Um, we have the Word of God, which is our Bible. And then this actual second part in verses 4 and 5 is actually a prayer from Paul about what he wants us to do. But what I'm trying to connect the dots here is we have God's Word and we have prayer. These are the two main things that we stand on and we use in our faith, okay? And, and so what is Paul praying for in, I guess, verse 5 and 6? He says that, that we can live in harmony with one another, right? And that with one voice um, glorify the God and Father, the Lord of Jesus Christ, right? And so as I was thinking about that as a church, I was just wondering, how do we as a church with one voice glorify God, you know? And I don't know if you've ever thought of that question, but I didn't think about that question until I started studying this. And just even in the time together, could you picture a time where we, with one voice, were glorifying God, right? And so hopefully it's painfully obvious, but we were just worshiping together, weren't we, right? We were just singing the same truths to God about who He is, right, and how He loves us. And so um, I just thought that was amazing. You know, that we do that every time we come together. You know, again, you, you might not be singing, right? Maybe you're singing a different song, I'm not sure. But the point is, what Santosh, I think, is trying to lead us, in an Autumn and our other worship leaders, is that we would worship God, and we're actually fulfilling that scripture right there. So it's kind of cool, right? Romans 5, uh, 15, 6 and 6, right? That we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 7, it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so when I read this verse, um, I just felt like, okay, God said, you got to park on this for a second. <laughs> what does that mean? To welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And so really what this, what this means is, you know, again, you can apply this to yourself, but just to give a quick example, I think many of you know I did not become a Christian until I was an adult, right? Till I got married, I had kids, all this kind of stuff. And so... When I would see a church or someone would invite me to church, I just instinctively would think, "I'm not good enough to be there." Right? Those are the people that God wants there. Right? Those are the people who know what they're supposed to do. And little did I know that the reason that people go to church is because they know they need God and that they don't deserve to be there. (laughs) And so, I guess the enemy was pretty good about giving me partial truth, right? Um, But not the whole truth, you know, if you will. And so, you know, just, you just have to think, well, how did Christ welcome me, right? If you think about your own walk, how did Christ welcome you into his family, right? And, you know, my experience was as many mistakes as I made, as many bad choices I had made, he said, hey, look, I'm I'm, I'm going to take you right where you are, right where you're at, you know. And, and the reason I want to make that uh, point is because I think we see people in our lives that we say, Uh, I don't think they should be at church, right? They're making choices that actually the church does not agree with, right? Um, They're making decisions that um, they actually make me upset. They go against my values, right? There's things that I don't like. But with those kind of people, uh, what would Jesus do, right? Would he welcome them or would he say, hey, you know, when you clean up your life, when you go and fix all those problems, right, when you correct all that stuff, now you can come, you know, that's not the God we serve, right? He's the God that says, right where you are, you know, come to me. And then, um, you know, again, I like to give you guys little pop quizzes, too, you know, so you can answer this if you, if you like. But if you think, can you think of any examples of Jesus meeting people right where they were in Scripture, right? And does anybody want to offer any? Like, if you think about, you know, primarily in our Gospels, when Jesus met with people, any... Uh, the, well. uh, the woman at the well, exactly. Okay, that's a great example because guess what? She was alone. Oh, yeah, blind Bartimaeus. Yeah, and there's the man born blind. Is that maybe that's the same guy, right? Um, the man with a with withered hand, exactly. Right, just going to synagogue, and then Jesus causing a ruckus because he's trying to heal him, right? You know, why would you do that on the Sabbath, right? That was a big problem. Okay, so these are all great examples. Um, and Henry has my notes, so you're not reading off my notes, are you? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to sound smart over there. <laughs> okay, we caught him. We caught you in trouble. Okay. <laughs> hey, I was supposed to tell the jokes. Not you. Come on. I was supposed to tell the jokes. All right. Um, yeah, no, and, th- and there's so many uh, examples. I was, the one that really stood out to me was, um, you know, do you guys remember a guy named Peter? And uh, he's got a couple of uh, wonderful things that he did, and he's got a couple of bloopers, right? And uh, a couple of those where, I mean, he literally denied Jesus three times, right? And so... Um, I mean, it says that he wept, right? So, he really knew, wow, I've kind of gone completely the wrong direction. But, you know, if you go to the end of John 21, excuse me, when Jesus is resurrected, what what does Jesus do? He comes and makes a fish breakfast or something, right? They cook cook some fish on on the sea, and then he asks them a couple questions, doesn't he? And so, three times he asks Peter, do you love me, right? And so, I just love that connection where he denied him three times, but then he also affirmed him three times. And then again, you see, you see Peter's ministry after that in the book of Acts, and it just takes off. You know, it's, but I just wonder how his spirit would have been if Jesus didn't meet him right there and say, look, you're still good. <laughs> you're still my guy. <laughs> I can still, you can still serve me. right? You can still uh, bless a bunch of people. So, um, so when it comes to all of this, what we said in verse 7, it says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And you think about what is Christ's example. And so one of the the hallmark scriptures on this, um, again, something that you can read, I'm going to read to you, is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. And it says this, uh, Paul encourages us, he says, to have the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So in other words, have the mind of Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God to be a thing grasped. But instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So I I know it's probably hard to visualize this, but God in the throne in heaven said the best thing for all of us is that I leave and I come down onto earth as a person. right? And not just any person, a baby. right? We're going to start from day one. We're going to go together. And then he continues on in verse 8. And being found... Of this, of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, in that sense, and you know, uh, there's just a complete picture of Him submitting His rights, laying down, of doing everything for us, for our faith, for our favor, and uh, just a tremendous example that He gives us. And so, again, Paul is uh, emphasizing a couple things here. He's emphasizing unity in the church, right? That, we, that our church body is important. That we come together. Uh, that lifting up other people is important. And I would even argue it might even be more important than our own faith, right? It's just what we have, we have to put others first. And, and as we talked about before, any liberties that we have, any pleasures that we have in this life, they would be secondary uh, to caring about others. And so I, just, I feel like Paul is really saying, hey, look, as a healthy Christian, as a healthy Christian church, um, our priority is going to be other people. Right, our priority is going to be, and especially he's saying those who are weaker in the faith, right? And so that's something I think he wants us to catch in all of this. And you know, again, I'm I'm going to share this with you because I, I had a conviction from God, and um, and this may just be for me. So if that's all it is, that's fine. But I just felt led to share it. And it was just, uh, you know, we were talking about all different things can cause division in the church, as simple as food, right? And um, and as you may know, worship is a high value. Uh, in most churches, it's a high value in our church, too. So anytime there's a change or there's something different, uh, that causes the possibility of, um, you know, of division, of discomfort. And, and um, you know, and, and I, just, I just felt like, um, you know, God was, was speaking a couple things to me and he said, you know, when, when it comes to your worship, how does it feel when you're worshiping with a song that you know? Like, you know, you don't even have to think about it, right? It's, you know, the lyrics, you don't even have to look on the screen because you've sung them so many times, right? They're just embedded in our heart and our mind. It's just so easy to worship at that time. And then what if it's the worship leader that you really like too, right? You're just so comfortable with them. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, they're singing my song again. That's amazing, right? Like, this is perfect. You know, God has designed this service just for me. And, um, but does worship sometimes become hard? You know, and, and, and if it does become hard, how it, how does it become hard? You know, is it, is it when, um, you know, the worship leader does, uh, does a new song? Or maybe it's a song that's not new, but we just don't know it. Or, um, you know, maybe there's worship songs you don't like. I will admit there are some worship songs I don't like. Um, but, you know, but is, is that okay, right? You know, I just felt like God was asking me, is it okay for me not to worship in those conditions? You know, and so the check that I was, I was getting with God was, um, when, is it, when is it okay not to worship him? You know, when is it okay to make an excuse, right, to, to not worship him? Um, and again, I was like, well, uh, I don't have a good answer for you, God. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think there is a good answer to that, right? I think I'm supposed to push in. And so anyway, I, again, that may just be for me, but I just want to encourage you, uh, don't fall into those traps like I do. If you sense yourself in that spot where you're not worshiping, then I think that's a great time to go to prayer and just say, God, you know what? I don't feel like worshiping, but I'm going to worship anyway, right? I'm going I'm to do what I know is true. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Um, and I would love to get that blessing. Of your peace of the comfort um but even tonight like when um uh, santosh i don't know if we've ever sung that song before the second song but i was i was praying you know I was, I was singing with it and i was learning it and um and it was just just so amazing to to remind remind ourselves of how complete of a victory god has made right he is still on the throne because i think when i find myself in trouble i forget i think i forget about the cross i forget that god's still in charge I forget that all of, all of the goodness is still there, because all I can see is the problem, right? All I can feel is the pain, you know? And so those, those worship things are, are awesome. And um, So anyway, that might have just been for me, but I just know from a church, the strength um, of our church is tied to our worship. The more we worship, the more we push into worship, I think the better results we get. And so, as we uh, kind of just conclude that first section of scripture, um, I, I hope you're catching. I think what Paul is saying is that we will put others first. We will be on the lookout for those who are weaker in the faith than we are, right? And, and again, it's not to puff us up, because again, we might be the ones that are weak in faith. So we need to look for those who are stronger uh, in the faith uh, to help, uh, you know, lead and guide us in in that way. And yeah, you know, and it's, you know, the intent is to help them get stronger, right, to help help them benefit from the journey that we've been on. Now, as we go into the next section, this is talking about uh, Jesus and, and how he's the hope for the Jews and the Gentiles. So I just want to read a couple verses in that. In verse 8, it says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Now, when we say the servant to the circumcised, do you guys know what that means? The circumcised. Typically, we're talking about the um, Hebrews, right? The Israelites, and it says to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Okay, and then you know what patriarchs are, right? Those would be our heroes in faith. It would be the promises that Moses got, the promises that Abraham got, the promises that David got, right? Those, uh, those would be who our patriarchs are. So, uh, just to. Read that again, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to the Hebrews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And also in verse 9, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Okay, so everything that God has been doing has been to save the Jews, has been to save the Gentiles, basically to save everybody. And then it says, um, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And there are several other scriptures here, but I'm going I'm to skip over that. Um, but I do want to come to verse 13, because this is, uh, in my opinion, another memory verse that we don't want to miss. And it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so sometimes, you know, if you don't know what to pray, you just read that scripture over yourself. That we would be filled with all the joy and the peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. Now, um, in the interest of time, I'm just going to uh, jump over a couple of, of these sections. But uh, Paul, is, he's going to talk a little bit about his ministry in the next couple of verses. Um, that, uh, but one thing I do want to highlight, he says to the Romans, he says, I'm satisfied about you. And why is he satisfied about you? He said, for those Christians that were there, um, they were taking um, their Christianity seriously, right? They were learning from the Bible, and they were so good at learning it, they were teaching it to each other too. And so they were taking it and passing it on, and that's what we're supposed to do, right, as Christians, is, is what we receive, we give, and to build up. And, um, <clears throat> and Paul confirms that he is a minister of Christ to the Gentiles, and if you guys know, Peter was considered the minister to the uh, to the Jews, um, and it's kind of interesting because Paul was, you know, very Jewish, <laughs> so he could have done just as well. Um, but God called him to a different ministry, which is totally fine. And then uh, Paul also had this, in, uh, you know, this strategy where he wanted to preach uh, Christ where he, nobody had heard of him yet. And so that was his goal, is to go to new places, places that never heard about Jesus, and help set up a church there and set up a foundation there. And so that was his strategy. And um, again, uh, coming down just a little bit more uh, down in verse 24, uh, he talks a little bit about his plans. And he was uh, hoping, you know, he'd never gone to Rome, but he was hoping to go to Spain. And, and through there, he, <coughs> he, was, he was planning to support other Christians in the, in the area, and he was talking about bringing aid to Jerusalem. And what was uh, cool about that in, uh, is he was getting aid from other churches, Macedonia, and um, I'm not sure how to say that, but um, Achai or Achai, Henry, you know how to say that word? No. Okay. Anyway, I'm sure somebody does. Acacia? Okay, good. <coughs> I don't know where the other C is, but it's, it must be in there. Um, i probably got a typo my problem. Um, but what I did want to read is a couple verses in there in verse 29. It says, I know that when I come to you, talking to the Roman church, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So he was kind of preparing them. He says, hey, look, as Christians, you know, we do work in the local church, but we also do missionary work, and we support other churches. And so he was, he was informing, him, informing them of his visit so that they could participate in that as well. And then uh, he also encourages them to, uh, to strive together in prayer. And I want to read those uh, last couple verses to you in verse 30. And so Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. And so I love this, that he's, he's saying prayer is so important. I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray for me. And what, what is he going to ask to pray for? He says, in your prayers to God on my behalf, For what? In verse 31, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So he knows he's going to have opposition, and he needs uh, protection from that, but he also wants his ministry to be fruitful and acceptable. And in verse 32, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. And in verse uh, 33, may the God of peace be with you all. So that concludes 15. We are going to talk a little bit about 16. Um, but 16, there's a lot of uh, personal greetings in there. And so there's actually a lot of good uh, things that are happening. and. Um what I love about it is kind of a, it's a list of some key people in Christianity, right? It's a list of people who've done some um, amazing work for God. And, you know, what's interesting too is I'm not sure, you know, if, uh, if these people were all in Rome or not, or they were traveling missionaries, right, that would come in, uh, back and forth. But I think what Paul is doing is he's establishing a couple things. He's saying, here's some key people you want to be aware of, and, and and in a good way, right? He's saying, I recommend, I commend them um, in their ministries, and so starting in verse 1, uh, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centuria, uh, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. And then uh, I want to read verse uh, 3, and then, and then we'll talk a little bit more. But uh, greet uh, Prissa and, and Aquila, and my fellow work, who are my fellow workers in Christ, and they've risked their necks for my life. So to whom only, not only do I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles as well. And so uh, what I love about that, Priscilla and Aquila, you're going to find them in, in multiple places in the Bible. Uh, so they have a significant ministry. And, you know, again, I'm not going to read any more about the people, but, uh, but he highlights some things. He's like, okay, this person is a first convert in this area. You know they're kind of a staple in that area to um, spread the gospel, and other people. Uh, it says with Rufus, it says um, bless her mother, his mother, who is also a mother to me too. So I mean, can we go wrong with more mothers, right? Okay, so any mothers in the house, you know, we got other people that need more more mothers, right? So uh, don't don't be stingy. No, you know, but I'm just saying you can you can bless in so many ways, right? And and Paul specifically calls that out, which is pretty awesome. And you know he talks about other people in terms of um, you know they were. Uh, they're approved by God Um, you know they do great significant work for Christ and so it's uh, it's pretty amazing about all the things and their fellow prisoners fellow workers all those kind of things so you can read that on your own but it's kind of the the bulk of that 16th chapter Now, uh, one verse I did want to read to you, um, and I I did get confirmation from Henry and Santosh that I have to read this, so I'm going to read it. Okay, so it says in verse 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the churches of Christ greet you. So I've been doing a lot of research on this thing, you know, what is a holy kiss, but I'm just going to give you just some personal examples. So um, I'm not sure, you know, in your family if you guys are kissers or not, but like my, my dad, he'll always, when he kisses me, you know, right on the lips, right, you know, that kind of thing, and I'm like, man, you know, you got a hairy mouth, why are you doing that, you know, and, uh, but I love it, right, it's pretty awesome, and my mom will do that too, and then I don't know if you've ever had the chance to go overseas, you know, that little pond over there in Europe, Um, but I remember the first time I got to go there, um, they like to greet people with, you know, like this little side cheek thing, okay, but I'm a young American, I'm not even a Christian yet, so I don't even know what that's about, right, so they're, they're about to come and, you know, give me a kiss, and I'm like this, and then they're like, no, like, you know, they do that, and then they kiss me there, and then they do that, and then they kiss me there. So so they never kiss me on the mouth, right? But I was just, as an American, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And, um, but I thought, you know, it might be appropriate to demonstrate a holy kiss. So Santosh is willing to volunteer to show what a holy kiss looks like. So uh, just kidding, Natasha, we don't want to get you upset, so we're, we're not going to do that. So, uh, but anyway, it's just, it's just wonderful that Paul uh, includes that in the Bible. And believe it or not, you will find multiple versions, uh, you know, multiple times where he says a holy kiss. But uh, if you really want to know what that is, uh, you're probably going to have to talk to somebody else because I'm not quite sure. But, um, but my understanding is it's, um, it's just a, it's, it, it's a, you know, it's an embrace. Right, it's uh, it's obviously not uh intimate th- that kind of thing, but uh, but it's holy for sure. So, um, so with all of that, you know, with a personal greeting section, I just want to uh, just wrap that up and say, you know, Paul is he's showing the significance of relationships, he's showing the significance of people who are committed to Christ and to ministry, and so we are to be aware of that, right? We are to To participate in that, and we're also to support that. Um, So all I'm saying is, as you go in your Christian walk, um, ask God, what are ways that I can uh, get involved more, right? Or what are who are people that I need to be paying attention to? What are other ministries that I should be aware of, and those kind of things. So uh, that brings us down to the uh, the next section, which is um, down to verse 17. And so Paul's going to give us some practical advice about. Um, warnings, right, and things that that go on. And we've talked about this a little bit, about divisions. And he's also going to encourage us uh, to be wise, um, to know what's good and innocent. So in verse 17, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine. So to say that another way, people who cause problems with the gospel, right, people who are trying to Steer us a different way, or take out something, or add something in. So he says, um, "...to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord uh, Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naïve." For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, and as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So when I was reading that scripture, uh, remember, he's he's warning us to watch out, because people will cause divisions, and they will... Uh, maybe distort the gospel, right? They'll change it. And so, you know, this This whole time before that, we've been talking about the weaker brother, right? The weaker sister, the weaker in faith. So here's kind of what I'm taking from all this. If if us as Christians, we're not paying attention to those uh, those around us who are weaker in the faith, who who's going to pay attention to them, right? If we don't help them get stronger, we don't help them understand uh, what God wants them to do then are we essentially allowing them to be uh, misled, to be deceived, right? To figure it out on their own, right? So that's just a great privilege that we have is to pay attention to those around us so that we can strengthen them so that when the, de- the deceit comes, right, when the division comes, they're wise to it. They know what's good and they know what's innocent. So again, that's another privilege that we have um, as Christians. And then to close out chapter 16, Uh, Paul gives this um, awesome prayer, um, and it says in verse 25, it says, Now to him this would be God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ, Amen. Okay, all right. As we as we conclude, uh, we're going to get ready to go in our small groups. But I just want to just hit some real highlights here for the summary. Uh, excuse me. So, for those who are strong in the faith, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to seek out the weak, right, and we're supposed to help them right? And put them in front of ourselves to strengthen them. Jesus is the hope for all people. And just as we spoke, we want to look out for division, right? And we want to seek harmony and unity. Now, because we are concluding the book of Romans, um, I just wanted to highlight some of the key verses. Um, there's so many verses in all the chapters, so I'm just picking just a handful of them. And um, Henry, did you uh, did you put those up or you want me to read those? Okay, no problem. Um, and so, again, I'm going to say some. You might have some that you're like, you really wanted. But, um, you know, I'm going to start with the very first chapter in Romans 1, uh, verse 16. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then the Gentile. And then Romans three twenty three, it says, For all have sinned, right? And fallen short of the glory of God. And I like verse 24, and it says, all end are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then in Romans uh, 3.28, it says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works. Because that's a big theme that he has, right, is we are justified Amen. by faith, not by works. And Romans 8, 37, 39 Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then the verse we like to use for salvations, Romans 10:9 to 10, says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And again, there's a ton of other scriptures, but I want to give you Romans 12.1. <laughs> That's our last one. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, or beseech you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Okay. So um, it's been a wonderful blessing to go through the Book of Romans with you. Thank you for all the teachers that have helped um, cover this as well. Um, so what I want to do is I want to pray a blessing over you all, and then we'll, t- we'll put our questions up, and then um, we'll conclude the service. So uh, let me pray. Uh, to close us up, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful book of Romans, Lord. I do pray that we would get as much out of this as, as you put into it, and and Lord, we we confess we are students, um, we are just continually learning, um, and so Lord, I just thank you for this um, opportunity to grow in you, and and I want to pray just a couple of verses over us, in Romans five thirteen, uh, excuse me fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. And Lord, I do pray that we would take our our calling seriously, what you've put um, in our hearts, what you put in our path, Lord, we would pay serious attention to and know that you've equipped us for the things that you've called us to. Excuse me. And then lastly, I want to read you a couple of verses from 1 Thessalonians as a prayer. Chapter 5, verse 12. So we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, and be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so Lord, we we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the power to do all of those things. And so Lord, I pray that we would put you first and Lord, we would humbly put others before ourselves. Lord, I ask that you would allow us to be effective in growing in our in our faith, and our strength, and you would uh, continue to put people around us that we can minister to, we can pour into, that we can help to get stronger as well. So Lord, we do, uh, we do offer you this prayer in the holy and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So for our questions tonight in our small group, um, Henry, can you go ahead and put those up on the screen? Okay. So uh, we've got just a couple of practical and maybe some more deep ones. So uh, the very first one says, uh, when someone, comes, someone new comes to church, how do you help them connect? Right, we're talking about how Christ welcomed us. How do we welcome others? And then uh, the second is, what motivates you to help others grow in their faith? And then the third is, what can you do to mature your church? Okay, SO THOSE ARE THE QUESTIONS THAT WE HAVE FOR OUR FRIENDS ONLINE. WE'RE GOING TO GO AHEAD AND WRAP UP THE SERVICE, AND uh, FOR THOSE IN-HOUSE WHO CAN STICK AROUND, WE'RE GOING TO BREAK INTO SMALL GROUPS, AND WE'LL GET THAT ALL SET UP. SO um, THANK YOU FOR THAT.